What I want to do tonight is I'm pretty sure all of us would have an answer to this question. Some of us might have a negative view of this question. Who is God? Well, he's mean. He's nasty. Maybe you have a positive view of this question, that he takes care of you, that he saves us. What I want to do tonight is to delve just that little bit deeper. All of us can think of a word, can think of a life situation where we can answer this question. Maybe you don't have an answer tonight, and I hope tonight you will by the end of this talk. We are ultimately finite and limited beings, and God is completely finite, infinite, and we can't truly understand the answer to this question. Psalm 1453 says his greatness is unsearchable. We can't actually truly 100% know who God is. Psalm 147, 5, his understanding is beyond measure. We can only get a glimpse of who God is, but we can't necessarily understand the entirety of the answer to this question. But in Romans chapter 1 and verse 19, it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God's God has shown it to them. You see, we have God's word, and that is what God has given to us. And in this word, it is plain. God tells us who he is. And if you just skim God's word, don't even study, just skim it. God is compared to a lion, an eagle, a lamb, a hen, the sun, the morning star, a light, a torch, a fire, a fountain, a rock, a hiding place, a tower, a moth, a shadow, a shield, a temple. Do you get the understanding? That, that was just a skim over. Skim over again, and God is called a bridegroom, a husband, a father, a judge, a king, a man of war, a builder, a maker, a shepherd, and a physician. That was me just skimming God's word. Can you understand now that God is just more than just one word? He is more than just the Father. There is so much more to God. You see, all of creation will show something about who God is. My aim tonight is that you won't remember every detail that I'm going to say here. I know you won't because I can't even remember every detail that I say. But my hope is that you will understand the magnitude of who God is. That you won't just give a one-wonder answer, but you will truly know just how awesome God is. To help us tonight, we're going to go through 14 attributes of God. All of you are like, oh my goodness, 14 I don't like three points. Um, I like to do big numbers. So I, I've actually written this in, okay? This is not really language I use normally, but buckle in, get your Bibles ready. We're going to go at a pace. That doesn't sound like me, trust me, but there are Bibles in the back of every seat. The verses will be on the screen. This is going to go quickly, but I want to give you just a snapshot of how amazing God is. And the first attribute we're going to look at of God is independence. You see, God is completely independent. He is self-existent and self-sufficient. In Acts 17, it says, God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. You see, God doesn't need anything from us. He didn't have to create us. He wasn't lonely. He didn't need a friend. 
He didn't even need to show his power. God in himself is completely independent. He exists in himself. He doesn't need us. Now you could see that as a negative thing. Well, what's the point? Why not see it as a positive thing? He doesn't need us, yet he still created us. He doesn't need us, yet he's still willing to love us. He doesn't need us, yet he sustains our life. Do you understand that God is just more than some being that created? God is a being that chose to create. He was never forced to do so. The second attribute, immutability. There you go. I knew I was going to muck that one up. Immutability. I don't even know what Amy's signing right now. Means, (laughs) thanks for that. Uh, It means to be unchangeable. Maybe I should have just stuck with it, unchangeable. God is unchanging in his being, purposes, and all of his promises. Malachi says, for I, the Lord, do not change. James, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. You see, God is the same today, tomorrow, and forever. He doesn't change. And because he doesn't change, we can trust him. We can trust all his promises. The simplest promise that we can all remember is that God promised he would never flood the earth again. So no no matter how big the next tsunami, next earthquake, next storm is, God does not change. His promises do not change, which means we can trust that the world will never be flooded again. Third attribute of God, I told you we were going to go quickly, eternal. God is completely eternal. What does that actually mean? Well, he has no beginning, he has no middle, he has no end. God sees all of time at once. He is an in time. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The number of years is unsearchable, Job says. And in Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, I don't know about you, but that comforts me. That comforts me that God is not just a random being, but he's a being that has been there forever and will always be there forever. So I don't know, tonight you may have come with some struggles, you may have come with questions. God's not going anywhere. He's not going to suddenly stop today. Maybe you're going through a problem in life and you want to trust God and give it to God. God's not going anywhere. He'll be there. He'll help you. But equally, because God is eternal, he asks us to think eternally too. Don't just think of the here and the now. Another attribute of God, omnipresent. This simply means that God is everywhere. That God does not have a size or spatial dimension. He is present at every point of creation. Yet the most amazing thing is he can act differently in different locations. Psalm 139 says, If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. This is quite slow. Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. You cannot find a single place that you can outrun God. 
Maybe God is calling you to do something. Maybe God is working on your heart and saying, hey, I'm here. Look at me. There is nowhere and nothing you can do to outrun God. Because when you try, he'll be there. When you try and run somewhere else, he'll be there. But what's most important for those of us that are Christians tonight is how much less this house that I have built can continue. This building is a building. It is nothing more. It is a building. God doesn't just stick within this building. He will go with us out of that door and wherever we are. So if you think tonight you're coming to some special place and God's definitely going to be here, well, he's going to be there before you come here. And he's going to be there when you're at home. He's going to be there when you're at work. He will be there everywhere you go because God is omnipresent. God is also omniscient which means to be all-knowing. God fully knows himself and all things actual and possible. He knows past, present, and future. Here's the simplest verse. He knows everything. It's as simple as that. Those deepest, darkest secret sins that you have that no one else knows about, God knows them. Those inner desires that you have, those passions, those dreams, those hopes, God knows them. That swear word you say under your breath and think no one can hear, God can hear it. God knows absolutely everything. Now, I don't know about you, but that kind of sends shivers down my spine because I start thinking, okay, what have I done today that no one else knows but God knows? Just as an example, yes, I do speed. I shouldn't speed. And I keep saying that I shouldn't speed. Um, But it's so easy to do. I've I've just got a lead right foot. That's the problem. But God knows. And the problem is, I'm a sinner like everyone else. And I recognize there are things that happen in my life that I don't want to be there. And this is a challenge that he knows everything. He knows when I push that accelerator just that little bit harder. He knows every part of my life. But God is also omnipotent. Hopefully this clicker will work, which simply means that God is all-powerful. God is able to do all of his holy will unaided. Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. A couple of folks that we know in Hamilton Baptist are currently going for uh, new jobs, looking to change universities, looking to do different things in their life, maybe even travel, maybe even just do something crazy and just sell everything up and move and go and serve God. And the thing keeps coming up when we have these conversations is, I just don't know what God wants me to do. I just don't know what his answer is. I just don't know if he'll even give me this. The first thing we have to understand is nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is too hard for God. Whatever dream you have, whatever hope you have, he can do it. The question is, is whether it is his will to do it or not. Nothing will stop God doing his will. Do you know, it's funny, my father, as I mentioned, was an alcoholic, and he tried to stop drinking so many times, and it never worked. I grew up in a household where, at four years old, I knew every single alcoholic drink by heart. I knew what would make my dad drunk quicker I knew the mood swings that he had and whether to get into the house or not at four and five years old. 
And I remember he became a Christian. I remember he sat us down as a family. We all thought he'd gone completely cuckoo. Um, just thought this random thing and he was going to give up drinking, he was going to give up smoking, he was going to do all this and you know God was going to do it for him and I just remember looking at him going, I hate you, I don't even like you and this is mean, this is mean telling me that you're going to suddenly become a good father. The minute he said that he never drank another drop ever again, not because he had any strength. My dad was an alcoholic which means he wanted to drink but God said nothing is too hard for me. And his spirit worked in my dad's life. He never touched a drop. And now to this day, my brother and I have never touched a drop of alcohol after six generations of alcoholics. None of that is because we're special. It's because nothing is too hard for God. Okay, number seven. Another attribute of God. Wisdom. God is wise. God always chooses the best goals and the best means to get to them. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I love this quote that I read. If the church is faithful to God's wise plan, all of creation will honour God and will always enact the best means to glorify God. Have you ever questioned God's plan for your life? Have you ever got to a place in your life and just go, throw your hands up, what on earth are you doing? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Have you ever been called to do something by God and felt weak and you felt you couldn't do it? Just remember my favorite verse. Moses cries out to God with four excuses. Are you kidding me? You you want me to free the people that have been in slavery for 400 years? You want me to do that, Moses? And God says, yeah, but my plan is set in motion and I know how to get that plan to be fulfilled. God is wise. He will always choose the right things and the best things to enact his plan. Give these girls a little bit of a switch over and a break. We'll move on to the eighth attribute of God tonight. Truthfulness. God is completely truthful. He is the true God. All his words and actions are true. He is ultimately the standard of truth. Another simple verse. God is truthful. Here is something even more simple. Have you ever read your Bible? Have you ever got there and you've opened your Bible and you've read a verse and you thought, "Mm, don't believe that. Can't see how that works. God parts the Red Sea. Mm, Don't think so. Jesus comes out of the tomb three days later. No, that's not possible. The thing is, God is truth. His word is truth. It is all truthful. Which means you have a decision to make tonight. You either trust God entirely and say that everything you say to me, everything you say in your word, and everything you do is entirely truthful. Or you say that it's all a lie. There is no in-between. You can't say some things are right and some things are not. You can't say, hey, we're in a modern age. So see that verse? Well, that that isn't right for us now. It is entirely truthful. I'm going to leave you to make that decision for yourself, whether you think this is entirely truthful or entirely a lie. I can't make that decision for you. That's something that you need to do research over for yourself. 
Ninth attribute of God, goodness. One of my favourite ones. God is the final standard of good and is worthy of approval. In Luke it says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Sam says, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. You are good and what you do is good. Wayne Grudem wrote this, God's mercy is his goodness towards those in distress. His grace is his goodness toward those who deserve punishment. And his patience, his goodness towards those who continue to sin over a period of time. God is entirely good. At no point think that God has put you in a situation to punish you, to say, well, you're an evil person, so I'm going to punish you. That film, Bruce Almighty, I think uh, the character Bruce says that he's on an anthill and God has got a magnifying glass and trying to make the ants squirm. God's not like that. He's entirely good. He wants to see the best for you. He doesn't want to see you sin and fall down that life. He doesn't want to see the devil take hold of your life and to lose you forever. He wants you to spend eternity in goodness with Christ and with him as a father. Tenth attribute of God, love. God is love and he loves us. He eternally gives himself for the benefit of others. Whoever does not love does not know God because why? God is love. John 15, greater love has no other than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. There's a cross behind us and it's empty. And the reason it's empty is because we as a church entirely believe that Christ went to the cross in love for us, died on that cross, but he didn't remain on that cross. He was buried and three days later he rose again, defeated death, didn't defeat it as a warrior, but defeated it in love. I don't know about you, but um, when Miriam and I, in that first two months, we knew each other, as our love for each other were building, Miriam would tell you a completely different story. But as we started to get to know one another, we pursued one another. Sounds a bit creepy, but it's true. You get to know the person you love. You know their dislikes, their likes. You get to know what time they like to wake up. You get to know that after 10 p.m., if you try and have a conversation, it's going to get into a fight. That still happens. You get to know the foods they like, their dreams, their hopes, their desires for the future. If they want a family, their background, their family situation, you get to know all of these things because you love them. God's exactly the same with us. You see, God loves you and he wants to know you. That's why We call each other out in prayer, to come to prayer meetings, to go to growth groups, to sit at home on your own and pray to God because God wants to know who you are. He wants you to talk to him. I love this verse. To lay down one's life for one's friends. Christ laid down his life, not because we're those idiot people that God created so I better do something, but because we are his friends. God's love is amazing. It's probably one of the most talked about attributes, but the most misunderstood attributes. 
Number 11, God is holy and perfect. God completely possesses all excellent qualities. He is completely separated from sin and devoted to seeking his honour. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. 1 Peter, for it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Matthew 5, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're going to come on in just a couple of more minutes to talk about sin. But I take great comfort that God is perfect, that there's nothing wrong in him. We can trust him. There's nothing that he does do that is wrong. He's not like that best friend who sneakily stabs you in the back with some situation 10 years down the line. God's not like that. He's completely holy. He's completely separate from sin. He's completely and utterly perfect. So my question really is, do you trust God? He's the only one who's never going to let you down. Twelfth attribute of God is peace. God is both peaceful and ordered. He is separate from all confusion and disorder. 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet in Romans. Are you a bit scatterbrained? Do you ever get to your office and it's just a stressful situation? If you see the band and the team before Seoul at about four o'clock, we're all running around like headless chickens, not having a clue what's going on because we're stressed, we're anxious. What do we do? Have we done this? Have we remembered that? The amazing thing about God is he is a God of order, a God of peace. In the most stressful times of your life, in the most confusing times of your life, in the times in your life you just feel utterly lost, God is the one that can give you peace. He's not disordered. He knows what's coming. He knows the plan. He knows how to enact it in perfect, holy will. He knows how to get you from point A to point B. Thing is, do we trust him? Do we hand it over to him? Someone in our young adults growth group won't mention who it was, but they said that they quite often give God a problem and then they they take it back. And then they give God the problem. No, give me it back. I want to get annoyed about that a wee bit more. And when they said this, I thought, we're all like that, don't we? We say, hey God, I got a stressful exam on Wednesday. Can you help me out with that? Come Tuesday, what are you? You're a basket case, aren't you? Because the test is coming up. When we give something to God, leave it with him. Let him replace it with peace and order in your life. Okay, we're moving into our last two. Righteousness. God always acts in accordance with what is right and in himself is the final standard of what is right. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right in Isaiah. He is the rock. His works are perfect, and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. In a society where even the most perfect people from the outset have problems, in a society where we are scratching our heads to figure out why there are bombings around the world, why broken homes seem to be such a huge thing right now, why our kids get bullied, why people are simply mean to each other, why this world gets in fights over just silly things. In a world that's like that, God is perfectly right. 
There is no wrong in him. You see, so many issues around the world, people have put their trust in humans. And guess what? The humans fail. The humans slip up. They do things wrong. But God is perfectly righteous. He will never do anything wrong. Okay, I've left this one till last because I think it's the hardest one to accept. Wrath. God has an attribute of wrath. He intensely hates all sin. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of the people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Romans 1.18 Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Don't sit there thinking that God does not hate the sin in you. Don't think you can just slide and cheat in one test or get angry with someone or when you're driving have road rage or even still lie to one another. God hates that sin and he will never let it go unpunished. The thing is, that's the beauty of the gospel because God sent Jesus to take that punishment for our sin because he hates it. And we all deserve that punishment that Jesus faced. We all deserve that painful crucifixion. But God in his love said, my wrath, I will take it out on my son. So here's the question. Who is God? It's funny, isn't it? We all have a one-word answer. If you comb the Bible, there's over 240 attributes of God. It's not as simple as a one-word answer. God is massive. He is awesome. Everything about him is huge. God is infinite in that he is not subject to any limitations of humanity or of creation in general. He's far greater than anything he has made, far greater than anything else that exists, but he is also personal. He interacts with each of us. We can pray to him, we can worship him, we can obey him, we can love him. God can speak to us, can rejoice in us, and can love us. The word God is not a description in itself. All the things on the screen, all the attributes that I've shown you tonight is who God is. So I've got two further questions with you and I'm going to leave these with you for you to figure out, to study your word, to study the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, come see me afterwards. I'll make sure you get one. If you are a Christian tonight, are you truly living knowing this God? Do you truly know God? Has he become just this fictitious character in your life that you randomly pray to, you speak about sometimes? Because to truly know God as a Christian means to recognize he is far bigger than you are. And he can take control over everything in life. That he is both gracious and merciful. And that he has saved us from a life of sin. So the question really is, is have you become an apathetic Christian who has kind of forgotten about who God is 
or in recognizing these attributes, are you going to get passionate about who God is again? If you're not a Christian tonight, here's my question for you. Have you actually ever studied God's Word? Have you actually ever looked into God's Word? As a pastor, I hear loads of questions like, I can't be a Christian because a God like yours wouldn't let the suffering happen. So why does suffering happen? If, if God loves, then why does it happen? I can't become a Christian because God will ask me to give up too much. I can't become a Christian because, well, my sin is too great and God will never forgive it. I can't become a Christian because, well, I'm pretty good. I think the God of the Bible warrants more than just a flippant statement. I think the God of the Bible deserves for you to study in your answer. We here at Hamilton Baptist don't believe God is just this random being. We believe in the 240-odd attributes that who God is. We believe that he works in our lives and we believe that the gospel is true. And we have some great men in this church and great women who have studied for years over the Bible and still scratch their heads with questions. I've been a pastor about just a few years and trust me, even in studying nearly every day, there's still loads of questions, but your faith builds as you recognize who God is. So my question is, if you are not a Christian, have you just flippantly decided you won't be? Surely it warrants just one more look, just one more study just one more question, just one more conversation. I can't make the decision for you tonight to be a passionate Christian or to become a Christian. I can't make the decision for you to move from apathy to move from, I know who God is and I'm going to live with him and for him forever. I can't make those decisions for you. All I would ask is you actually get to know who God is before you make your decision. The band are going to come up. I invite you guys just to come on up right now. I'm just going to pray for us and then just give you a little bit more information before the band sing the final song. So let's just pray together. Father, just as we have looked at who you are and your attributes, it's so obvious how great and how awesome you are and how finite we are, that we are just one person. Father, I just think of all the stresses and strains that tomorrow will bring. And even though it's a holiday, for some even holidays can be stressful. Father, surely we can find comfort in you. Surely we can trust you to deal with all these problems in our lives. But Father, I pray for everyone in this room tonight. I pray for the Christians in this room. I pray that they will rise up and be passionate for you, that they won't be apathetic, that they won't put you on the back burner or on the shelf or put other things in their life first, but they will put you first and they will be passionate for you. They will be excited about who you are, excited by this great God with all these attributes, with all these amazing things that he wants to have a relationship with us. Father, I pray that as Christians we will get excited about that. And Father, for those who are not Christians tonight, I pray that they take just one more look at your word. Just have one more conversation, one more question. And Father, I pray that you reveal to them who you are and the amazing things you can do in people's lives. Father, I praise you for everything and for all that you are. You are truly an awesome God. I pray this in your merciful name. Amen.